I know not to bring up the Patriots when I come to town. So, but it's great to be here with you. Thanks for coming. Uh, some old friends and some new, hopefully. And I want to thank you on behalf of the students and the young adults that come to faith. I remember 20 years ago when I first came. I was baptized right here. And I came as a student. Uh, I had become a Christian in England. And I was looking for a, a Bible teaching church. And, um, and I heard from my friends that, oh, you should come to this faith Christian fellowship. I'm like, a church is named a fellowship. Okay. And uh, I was like, 42nd Street, I know how to count. I should be able to get there, no problem. So I started walking up, walking up, 39th Street, there it is. And then I was like, hmm, cannot find 42nd Street. I was coming from Charles. And I was like, where is this 42nd Street? And there is no 42nd Street when you're on Charles Street. And so I didn't make it the first week, and I ended up going to some fancy church where I was well underdressed. And I left, I left after like a song. And uh, so I came here the second week, and people were very kind to me, and I'm glad, glad you were. And uh, I remember when, back in the day, um, they used to have elders kind of interview you to make sure you're a real Christian before you become a member. And I remember sitting down with um, Bill Bowling and Pastor Craig, and they were asking me questions. And, you know, are you done sinning the way you used to sin? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with that, I promise. And, uh, but I also asked them a question. I said, do you really want me to join this church? Because 20 years ago, Faith was very committed to the neighborhood, and I, I'm sure it still is. But it was very common 20 years ago to move to the neighborhood, to love the neighborhood. That's kind of what faith was about. And I knew I wasn't doing that. I was uh, committed to the campus, and, and I wasn't um, going to give up on the campus because that's, that's where I felt like God was calling me. But this was the closest Bible teaching church. So I came and I asked the elders, I said, you know, I know your heart is for this community, and I'm kind of in that community, but this is the closest church we got. So do you really want me to come? Because what my job is going to be is to bring as many students with me as I can. And, um, and they said, you know, we have our vision, but God has a huge vision. And if he's brought you to our church, we celebrate that. And, and if you're going to bring a bunch of students with you, we celebrate that. And so I really appreciate that faith— um, broaden the vision or open it up or accepted us or let us come in anyhow, even though we just eat the snacks and we often leave and we don't help much. But uh, I appreciate that you love us anyhow. And uh, I did stick around for a while and, and you continue to love students and I'm sure you still do. And, and I hear that story about finals, um, you know, loving students around finals. And I think that's really beautiful. So the theme of today is the changed life. We're going to look at Paul's life and how it changed in scripture, how he shared his testimony. And then I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony, and then I'm going to encourage you to share your testimony this week. So that's kind of the whole thing. You can go to sleep if you want, but we're going to start with some, some pictures. So here's my family. Uh, there were three, three boys that just ran off, and it, I will tell you, it is, it is very interesting for me to sit here. I've watched, like, kids come forward a million times, but this is the first time my kids came forward to go to Children's Church. And for those who help out with Children's Church, I appreciate it. I, I, I honestly didn't value it before I had children, but now I do. So, um, so yeah, my wife I met in China, so this church sent me to China. I left from here, went to China, didn't know any Chinese. It's not a good way to be a missionary. And uh, I asked my wife when I met her over there, I said, hey, would you teach me Chinese? And she realized I was pathetic at it. And she said, well, you could ask a real Chinese person here. They speak perfectly. And I said, but I think you can speak slowly and help a football player learn Chinese. And that was my ploy to hang out with her. And uh, she was homeschooled, so she fell for it. And, um, 
And God has blessed us with the children, so I thank you very much. And uh, the next picture is a picture of a bunch of students that went here. They were classmates of mine. They're the ones that invited me to this church. And uh, so this is uh, my classmates and their children. So it's obviously multiplied. But this is Joe Main up here with a beard right, right on the edge here. He used to play the piano when the piano was over here. He was uh, one of the worship leaders. And then uh, Susan, who's uh, wearing a white shirt in the middle, she used to play the drums, some fancy version of it with her hands, and uh, that's how I first came. That's what it was like. And, uh, and those are a bunch of strong Christians that encouraged me when I was very new to the Bible and, and dragged me to this good church, and I'm so glad they did. So one more picture. And so here's a picture of us with our ministry, and I, I share a picture of us at the Red Sox game, and I did that intentionally because you guys in Baltimore are in first place, and we are not, even though our payroll is twice yours. Um, and these are many international students and a few American students, and we're bringing them to baseball, and they literally don't know what's going on. They're like, uh, I see a lot of people looking. I can't even see a ball. I can't even find it. And they're running, and they're like, what's the score? I don't understand. So they're quite confused. We're right next to the green monster right here, and there's the Sitco sign. And um, so I'm trying to explain to them baseball, but I don't really care about baseball that much. I do a little, but not that much. Uh, but our, our job is to love them. And they're new to baseball. Who cares? but they're new to many things. And like me, I was an international when I became a Christian. When you're an international, you're trying new things out. And so we invite them to dinner and Bible study. And my wife cooks the dinners. She's a cooking evangelist. And they come for the food and friendships, and then I try to Bible them up as much as I can before they leave. And uh, that's kind of a snapshot of our ministry, basically. So, great. Now, we're going to, um, before we dive into the Bible, I wanted to share a praise. You guys have loved students for many years. And I think some of the difficulty, and uh, this was true for me also who, who stayed here for years, is the students, you love them, and then they disappear. And you love them, and they disappear. And after a while, you're like, where did my friends all go? They're gone. And, and it sometimes makes you feel like, is it worth it? Well, I wanted to share a praise report from some of the students. I track them all on Facebook, and it's part of my job, so I keep up with people. And I wanted to share a few praises of people that have sat in the pews that you're sitting in now, and were loved by people right here. So John and Lori Kempen, they moved a year ago. Uh, he left an Ivy League job, and he moved to Ethiopia to start an eye clinic and to restore the sight of the blind to people in Ethiopia. Simple cataracts and things like that make people blind in Ethiopia, but not any longer. And he's just starting the whole thing. They moved their whole family, and, and they're going for it. The Pollocks were here for many years, and then they started a school, a Christian school in China. Pretty sure that's not allowed. And... Uh, they did that for many years, and, and I, I was quite confused by that, but impressed by it as well. Uh, Crystalyn um, was here. She was in the young adult group when I was here. She's been in China for 15 years, and she's an English teacher and just loving China year after year. And uh, she was here when she was a young adult and student here. Michelle Cow, I bet most of you don't remember her, but I remember her. She was a, a great student at Hopkins. She was a student leader. Uh, Chinese-American, came here, and uh, she felt called to Thailand. She went to the slums of Thailand. The slums of Thailand. It makes Pen Lucy seem like rich. The slums of Thailand where she spent 10 years. She married a Thai person. I don't know if she's coming back, but she's been there. And she was in the pews, just a student. You wouldn't think she was going to do something like that. Another is Satyan Devadas. Uh, he's an Indian man, and his wife is Doris. She was Taiwanese-American. And they started their marriage 
uh, he was a grad student, and, and they had a great difficult start to their marriage. And people at Faith loved them. And he was married right here. And their reception, they were, they were on food stamps. Their, their reception was in the basement. And people at Faith loved them when they started their marriage. They have three genius children. And, uh, and they adopted a, a white girl in their town when they were living in Massachusetts. And um, they live now in California. But the thing that I want to share is that Satyan has gone on to, he speaks for the Veritas Forum. He's a math teacher, you know, and he's actually a good one. He helped me pass calculus. And, um, but he, he speaks and defends the faith. He shares the faith with atheist genius professors, and he shows how God's love is amazing. And one of the ways he shows is that he points to his family. And he doesn't explain everything in his family, but he said that he was loved well, and he points to his family. He's Indian. She's Taiwanese-American. They have like a whole new set of kids don't fit in a box you want to check on a form. And then they adopted this white child. And, uh, and it's a beautiful picture of what God's doing. But, but first, when they were in need, this church loved them. And they were very loved by the Sharkies. Um, and they threw the wedding, for that, the wedding reception. So I just want to give a shout out to you've been loving students, and they've gone on and done great things. And, uh, and now let's look at Paul and the Word of God. We're looking at Acts 22. It's on page 933, no, 931, Acts 22. Paul has just been arrested, and they tried to kill him. Oh, you guys, you get cheater Bibles up here. Back when I went here, we had to open our own Bible. And um, so Paul was arrested. He went to Jerusalem. They, somebody had prophesied and warned him, don't go to Jerusalem, they'll kill you. And he went anyhow, and uh, he was in the temple, and they didn't like him in the temple sharing about other stuff. So they dragged him out of the temple, and they were blooding him up. They were, they were trying to kill him. And then some guards came and grabbed him, and, and they were taking him off to essentially arrest him, but that would protect him from the mob. And as they're dragging him off, Paul says, stop. I want to address the crowd. I want to address the crowd that is trying to kill me. And this is what he says. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. He said, I'm a Jew born of Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamil, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted the way to the death. The way meaning Christians. Binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness, can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and draw near to Damascus, about noon a great light flashed from heaven, suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go to Damascus. And there you will be told 
all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see, because of the brightness of the light, I was led by hand by those who were with me and came to Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me, he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be, you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now... And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that, that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving, watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word they listened to him. Then they raised their voice, and they said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. I hope when you share your testimony, they aren't trying to kill you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this testimony, a changed life from Paul, the same man who wrote much of the New Testament, who wrote the scriptures that we read earlier, the armor of God. This Saul that you turned into Paul, what a changed life. Lord, and I know you've changed many people's lives, including those who I mentioned earlier, and many here in our midst. And we look to you, Jesus, the one who can change our life from death to life. You conquer the grave. Your gospel is true yesterday, today, and forever. Help us hear from your word, understand it, and go share your testimony this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. So, when we're looking at Paul's passage here, if you wanted to open up your Bible the way we used to do it at Faith, then now's your chance. 931. Let's take a look. In verse 2, it said that he spoke in Hebrew. And if you look in the NIV, it says he spoke in Aramaic. So apparently they're arguing with each other which one it was. We'll go with ESV today, Hebrew. And they listened quietly. They listened and quieted down. And an angry mob that was just trying to kill somebody. Why? It's because it was their language that they were hearing. And they were surprised that this man knew it. They quieted down and they listened as he spoke to them. And I think that's a good model for us. As we speak to somebody, you know, consider the audience and speak in a way that they can understand. In verse 3, he persecuted Christians to their death. He's building a relationship. They're trying to kill him. And he said, oh, I've been zealous myself. And I even tried to kill people. I mean, that's an unusual thing to build a bond with somebody as they're trying to kill you. Hey, I've been like you. I've killed people before. But that's what he did. And he did it because he wanted them to understand that he understood them. And maybe they will listen. Oh, you understand me some. Maybe I'll listen. 
And then he, he doesn't want them to think this is a random testimony of like, oh, a long time ago, God did something in my life. He said, I was on a road to Damascus. He names the city he was going to. And he says the time in verse 6. He says it was at noon. So he's giving a place and a time stamp. He doesn't want it to be a fairy tale in their mind. He wants them to know this has happened, and here's where it happened, and here's how it happened. And he hears a voice. He gets flashed the light, and he hears a voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I think as you hear that, I hope you're encouraged that God, when, when Saul is persecuting Christians, Jesus doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting people who love me? He says, why are you persecuting me? He sees us so close to him that he refers to us being persecuted as himself. And I think that should give you encouragement. If we ever face persecution here, or if we go far away, the persecution we face, Jesus receives. And he sees us as part of him. He loves us that much. He wants them to know that even his companions saw the light. They didn't understand the words, but he said, if you don't believe me, ask those guys. And then he goes on and says, oh, and by the way, I've persecuted many people. You can ask the councilman. You can even ask the chief priests. But Paul, when he's confronted with the Lord, how does he respond? He says, what shall I do, Lord? What shall I do? And I think that's the right response. When we get nudged by God, when we get led by God, are we open to follow him? That's the response that I think he wants to hear from us. What shall I do, Lord? And, and I know it's difficult to open ourselves up to that. But that's, that's the way he did it. And if Paul, who used to kill Christians, can open himself up and say, What shall I do, Lord? That's something that we can be encouraged by and we can do as well. And you can hear what the task that God gave him in verse 15. He said, You will be his witnesses to all people of what you've seen and heard. To all people. Paul was a Jew. He was a hardcore Jew that persecuted people he thought were fake Jews. And now he's going to be a witness to all people. That's Jews and Gentiles. The people that were listening to him, they didn't think much of it. He said, God called me to all people. And then he said, but God, they know I've persecuted Jews. You know, they're not going to listen to me. And so God sent him away, he said in verse 21. Go, I'm sending you far away to the Gentiles. The Jewish mob, when they heard him say, go, I'm sending you the Gentiles, they did not like it. And that's when they were like, let's get him. And they were like, he should not live. Why such a strong response when he said, oh, I'm sent from God to the Gentiles? Because for them, you cannot be sent by God to the Gentiles. It's impossible. Because God is with the Jews, not the Gentiles. And his mission now is the Gentiles, and they could not stand for that. That may, it's a little hard for us to wrap our minds around, I think. But Paul ended up loving the missions because he was sent away from the Jews to people who didn't even know about his, his background. He was there to love the Gentiles, and he did that. He still loved the Jews. He went to the temple. The first thing he did in most cities he went to. But he loved the Gentiles. He loved the missions, and it's a good thing he did because most of us in this room are not Jewish background. And he helped break the gospel out of just being Jewish and brought it to the world, which is good news for us. But also, he advocated on behalf of the world when Peter was kind of doing some funny business, not eating with 
not eating with Christians. He would only eat with Jews when, when the Jews were around. And Paul did not take that lightly. And he advocated on behalf of the rest of the church. Now, this is a picture of how God changed Paul and how Paul went from a murderer of Christians to then an advocate. He wrote 30% of the New Testament. And, and he was a bit of a genius. He, was some, some, he studied it under Gamil, and he was well-learned. The rest of the disciples weren't quite like him. But he wrote a bunch of the New Testament, and that's a good thing. But I want to now share a little bit about how God changed me in my life. And then I will ask you to think about how God has changed you and how you can share about that. So a few months ago, Pastor Craig emailed me and said, Hey, Tim, we're having some leadership retreat. Could you email me back your testimony? And I said, sure. You, you know, you baptized me and you, you, you did my wedding. So I will email you back my testimony. And so I worked on it and I tried to relate it to faith a bit as I was writing. Because I think audience matters. If you look at uh, the Gospels, the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, they share something like 70% of the same content. One miracle here, Luke says it, Matthew says it. Uh, Christmas story, Luke says it, Matthew says it. But they say the same things a little differently. Matthew, when he writes, he's writing as a Jewish man, writing to a Jewish audience. So when he's talking about Christmas and stuff, he's going to emphasize, you know, Jewish things. And then Luke is a Gentile. He's the only Gentile that writes in the, in the whole Bible. So Luke and Acts are the only books written by Gentiles that we know of. And uh, Hebrews, of course, we don't know exactly, but, uh, but it's probably Jewish if you think about the book of Hebrews. Um, but Luke, when he writes, he's emphasizing God's love beyond Jewish people to the, the widow, the orphan, those who are outcast, because Luke is that guy. He's, you know, he's part of a Jewish sect, but he's not Jewish. And it has grown now, the Christian uh, body group, past not just Jews, it also includes everybody. So the audience matters. So when I wrote this for Craig, I tried to think of Faith Christian Fellowship. So here's my testimony written for you. I grew up at Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. Hampton Beach is kind of the, uh, the very big and populated and kind of uh, slummy beach north of Boston. Okay, there's two of them. We're the north one. I was the youngest of four children. My family divorced when I was six years old. I was raised by my mother and my brother. I lived with my brother and hardly saw the other half of my family for 10 years of my life. My mom got sick with cancer. My senior year of high school, she died of lung cancer at age 51. I moved in with my neighbor to finish high school and then went to Johns Hopkins with a big hole in my life. I tried to fill the hole, the void, with girls and academics, but it didn't work. During my junior year abroad, I, I was invited to a pub Bible study by my friend Clive. I thought that was so funny. I was like, sure, I'll go to that. At the study, I was impressed that these people really believed the Bible, but I was not sold on it yet. Eventually, I changed my view, and the talk that did it was God's view of sex. I thought I knew even better than God. But I then came to see that the, the Bible actually was pro-sex in marriage. And I decided the Bible was right, even on this issue. The issue I did not think it was right on. I was going to trust the Bible, even in the difficult passages. I did not know any, any real Christians at the time, from my JHU days or my Boston days. None. And I knew that the Bible said you need to be born again to be saved. So for me to be a Christian 
and trust the Bible meant I needed to try to help people know him. When I returned to JHU, I joined InterVarsity, and I went to Faith Christian Fellowship right away, except for being lost for a little while. Faith taught me that God's love is so huge, and his grace is what compels us to love others, even others that are different from us. I miss Faith Christian Fellowship and look forward to visiting each summer, although now with kids, every other summer. It's been 20 years since becoming a Christian, and I thank God for how he's carried me and now given me a new family. And I thank God for the love I received from Faith Christian Fellowship as I was growing in my faith and I was a young minister of the gospel. God bless you as you seek to go deeper and share with those around you. If you know someone who is hard-hearted like I was, keep trying. They are listening, even though they don't want you to know it. I really appreciate what faith's been about. I got to be involved in a ministry sharing with a community. There used to be a community chill, and I used to help with that. And then uh, Plan had youth soccer and had youth basketball. I was part of both, and I was a referee, and no one really cared during soccer games. No one gave me a hard time. And then in basketball games, I saw people get all excited and get technicals and stuff, and I was like, all right, I'm really more cut out for the soccer gig. And uh, no one seems to care about that, so if you make a mistake, no one minds. I tutored a boy named James, um, who was part of this church some, and went to the Christian school that the church had. I went to leadership trainings on Saturday mornings that were way too early for a college minister. But I woke up anyhow and learned all sorts of reform doctrine that no one ever talked about it in college campuses. Uh, and, and I actually became licensed to preach uh, by the PCA right here. They had a special meeting for me. Um, during my mi mission years, and, and we had home court advantage, so even they let me through, which was amazing. Uh, and they sent, and from this church, I went to seminary, and I went on 9 11. It was my first day of seminary. I, I w had a Bible study on campus, and then I came back and I saw the towers had been hit. I was driving to Philadelphia, which is where I went to seminary, and the towers fell on my drive. And then DC was hit, and so I turned around. That was my first day of seminary. Uh, and I, 10 years ago, I returned to, from China to uh, serve, reaching out to international students, and I was supported by this church. So I appreciate what you've done for me. Now let's think about you. I hope God has given you a testimony, something that God has done in your life, a way he's cared for you. It's not going to be the same as my testimony. It's not going to be the same as Paul's testimony, that's for sure. But God has blessed you in some way. If maybe God has yet to show a blessing to you that, you that you can name or you can share about. My prayer for you is that he will, and I, I encourage you to ask God to do something in your life to help you. He may answer it in a different way than you expect, but I think he will answer your prayer. So as you have a chance to speak about God, I will encourage you this Sunday, here we are in church. Monday, you're probably going to bump into all sorts of coworkers or maybe classmates or maybe people around your neighborhood later today. And you have a chance to ask them, what did you do this weekend? How was your weekend? What were you up to? And if they have any social skills, and I think people in Baltimore actually have a lot more social skills than people in Boston. Boston, I don't know what's wrong, but maybe the weather, I'm not sure. Maybe it's too nerdy. I don't know. But they won't ask you back. But here they probably will ask you, what did you do this weekend? And that's a small chance for you to share something. It's not a chance to go preaching, Ananda, for a half hour. But something small, okay? 
And you can say, oh, I did something. Oh, we had a guest speaker. He was on and on, boring, 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 or whatever. But say something about church or maybe say something about your covenant group. We used to call them covenant groups. Now they're community groups. Nice job, you guys. You figured out. That was a better word. But you can share something about that and see what the person says. Because my conversion happened when a guy just said he was going to do something for the church, and I made fun of him. I made fun of him. Small persecution. And he, you know what he said back to me, Clive? He said, would you like to know why? And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to know why. Did you just hear what I said? And, but even me in my depraved state, I couldn't make fun of him twice in 20 seconds. So I said, go ahead. And said, I'm an evangelical. I was like, Eva who? I would have I clearly dismissed him. I was like, are you something about this? I'm out of here. But he was, it was in England, and he was twice as smart as me, and he had a funky accent. So I listened, listened longer. And at the end of it, he said, well, can I invite you to a Bible study, or can I give you a book? And, and he asked permission to, to give more. And, and I said, all right, sure. And I wasn't like, oh, please tell me about, you know, my eternal destiny. I was just like, go ahead, share your story. So I work on campus, and maybe, maybe years ago, you could share, like, ideas and thoughts and doctrine, and people might be interested. But nowadays, not so much. But they are interested in stories. They're interested in good stories. So if you can think about how God has touched you, it doesn't have to be in a huge flash of lightning way. In fact, those big stories sometimes are very hard to relate to. But in small ways, if God's cared for you through your family, maybe your, maybe your mother, you know, taught you about God or something else, small ways are just as good. But if you can share about something, then maybe they ask you for more. But what they really need to know is they need to know how you got to know God. You know, you say a blessing. Oh, God gave me a family. I didn't have a family. I was a broken family. And then God gave me a family. But that does not change their life. Hearing the story about how I had no family and now have a family, it's a good story. But it does not change anything. But you say, oh, God did something in my life. And you give the credit to God that God can change anybody's life. And so I wanted to finish today with just a, a couple of praises of people that are still in this church. Because so I don't want you to think that God did amazing things with people that used to be in this church. And where is he now? God is doing amazing things today. And I wanted to show a picture of one. This is Lydia. You know Lydia. And this is her new baby, just a week or two old. And uh, we got to visit her just two days ago. And she gave me a cool Amazon hat. And bald men, we can never have enough hats. So that's a good thing. Lydia came to Boston, and people from Faith emailed me, hey, Lydia got into MIT, and I actually run the group at, for MBAs at MIT. Hey, Lydia's going to be there. And I was like, oh, great. And I was like, all right, who's Lydia again? Okay, yeah, yeah, great Caribbean accent, love it. So she came up there, and I was like, great to see you, Lydia. I'm so glad. Our student ministry was kind of uh, flailing, and I was like, great to see you, a student leader. I hope you can help. And she did help. Uh, she helped. She was way too busy, but she did help anyhow, like a good faith person would. And, um, and God, you know, it was a difficult time in Boston, like Boston is for many people. It was a difficult time for Lydia. But she loved and served people anyhow. And I will tell you, I've ministered to over 50 people that I've known very well that went to MIT for business school. It's top five in the world. And when you graduate from there, you can go probably anywhere. But Lydia wanted to come back to Baltimore. And it wasn't because the Orioles. It wasn't because the Ravens. It was because of the church that loved her well. And so she said, I want a job. She only looked for jobs in the Baltimore area. She worked for Amazon. I appreciate that. And I think of her when I hit prime buttons. And um, 
but she came back because of you. And so you have loved young adults well, well enough that she'll return back. I've ministered to 50 others that I know very well in MIT, and none of them moved to where they were loved well in a church. None. They went to a good job or a future job, and she moves back here. So that's a credit to you. Now I want to share a couple more people. Bill Bowling, during my years here, he was always up front, well, and, and he would always encourage us to, to give some praises. And, and he would give us nuggets, little nuggets of, of encouragement. And I really love Bill Bowling. And the fact that he knew Craig and they together uh, were friends during the college, the Virginia Tech years. And, uh, and he came back and he served faithfully here for many, many years. And he's been a great encouragement to me. And, and I really appreciate him. Arlette Lindsay, she would always give me a great hug, a great laugh. And she would remind me, you know, I used to be part of InterVarsity back in the day. And I was like, I remember that. And she would always say that. And she was a great encouragement to me. And I'm sure she's been an encouragement to you. Carneal shared his testimony. And it was a very powerful testimony. And it's, it's one of those amazing ones, okay? I don't encourage you to have Carneal's testimony. But I hope you will hear his testimony. And, and he got shot and he nearly died. And it's amazing. But it also included some parts about um, addictions. And my family's had an addiction problem. And my father was here and got to hear that story. And it's a great encouragement to see that God has worked in Carneal's life in an amazing way. And it encourages me every time I see him. And uh, yeah, so thank you, Carneal, sharing your testimony and, and being an usher and letting me in when I'm late to service often. So thank you. Pastor Stan. Pastor Stan was part of InterVarsity um, a long time ago. And, and I appreciate his work. And he helped. I think the beginning of Faith Christian Fellowship, there was some link with InterVarsity summer. Students would come and help out the community. And, and Pastor Stan was part of that. And he was part of InterVarsity before InterVarsity was very diverse at all. And he chose to be part of this ministry and love people anyhow. And I really appreciate that he did. And then he was part of this church for a long time. And he's been a great encouragement to me. And finally, I want to speak about Pastor Craig. Pastor Craig mentored me during my years here. And he uh, bought me many cheap Chinese meals on Greenmount Avenue as he mentored me. Thank you for digging deep, Pastor Craig. He's very, very generous. And uh, over those Chinese meals, I would share with him how I was desperately looking for a wife. And it was the lonely, sad years of my life. And he would encourage me and he would keep me on my path. As I'm ministering to students, and I was like, I need somebody to minister to me. Uh, and, and he did that, and he listened to me. And I remember when I wasn't sure what I should do with my future. Um, and I was thinking about doing missions. Um, and he said, he said, seek first the kingdom of God, and God will take care of you. He will add all these things. And I said, sure, it's easy for you to say. You know, five kids, beautiful wife, all this jazz, whatever, Pastor Craig. But I actually thought that was God speaking to me. And so I said, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to China. And even though I don't know Chinese, not the way to do it. But, uh, but I appreciate that he mentored me. And then he came up, and he, uh, after I met my wife and I was getting married, he came and, and married us. And, uh, and I had now get asked to do marriages, and I copy his sermon. Like, totally, totally copyright infringement problems. But I copy the sermon very much. And uh, I just appreciate how he's mentored me. And it's not just me. He's mentored many people. I remember Thurman Williams here, and I remember others that he's mentored. And I really appreciate it. I got the email a couple weeks ago about his transition coming. And, and I was like, wow, that's a big transition. 38 years loving people. And I really appreciate it. He loved me, and he loved many people. So on behalf of the many that have 
that are here now and then have gone. Thank you, Craig. And thank you to the church that's loved the students and loved me. And let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you that you give us a testimony. You use people in, your, in our life to reach out to us, whether it's our grandmother or it's our mother, where it's a friend, where it's a pastor. Help us share testimony of what you've been doing in our life. And for those who can't pinpoint what you've been doing, I pray that you'd open our eyes up to see what you're doing in our life so that we can share it. Not something that happened 40 years ago, but something that happened somewhat recently. You're an active God, and you love us, and you want us to praise you in our whole life. I pray that you give each of us an opportunity this week to praise you. Not only with Christians, but also with those who don't know you. In Jesus' name, amen.